Hey folks, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, the space where I sit down with the world's most interesting brands and digital agencies to unpack where they're at, where they're going, and how they're navigating the consumer landscape. I'm your host, Tim. So I'm changing up the format a bit for the rest of the year. I'm moving from a season-based schedule to weekly episodes. This will continue into next year also. I really appreciate you tuning in. So if you've got any feedback, you can hit me up at tim at yourbasketisempty.com. On this episode, I'm chatting with Lauren Murrell. Uh, she is the CEO and co-founder of the Natural Bee Corp cruelty-free skincare brand by Sarah London. Um, we talk about how uh, personal trauma led to the starting the brand, the pros and cons of starting a business with your sister, community building, why you need to be nimble and adaptable when it comes to social media, the power of morning TV, why becoming a B Corp was a great business decision, and why finding mantras matters. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Uh, Lauren, welcome to the show. How are you and where are you? Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. I'm working remotely today, so this is where you'd usually find me. <laughs> um, okay, so when you say remotely, are you like on holiday or are you just not in an office? Just not in an office, yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. Well, where's the remote location or is it undisclosed? <laughs> so London, um, but London. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. I'm in Walthamstow, so just okay. FYI. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I usually like to do a bit of a rewind. I think it's good to sort of set the scene a little bit and um, understand there was like a bit of personal kind of trauma that like went into or was a bit of a genesis of the brand. Um, so I'm curious if you can kind of like maybe talk me through that and like why you decided to um, embark on the journey with, you know, by Sarah London, the, the brand. Yeah, it's been very much a journey, Tim. So I'll take you back 10 years ago now. When I was diagnosed with a life-threatening form of leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia. Um, I was at law school at the time, was just a few weeks away from my final law school exams. And then this diagnosis came out of the blue. A few weeks before the diagnosis, I had pains in my neck. I had a week of just really extreme lethargy, night sweats, just completely out of sorts. And it got to a point when I was so unwell that I had to be taken to A&E. Um, and in A&E, they were trying to diagnose what was going wrong with me. And they thought maybe it's scarlet fever, maybe it's glandular fever. They weren't quite sure. Sent me home, came back the next day with the diagnosis of leukemia um, and immediately sent into all of the checks that you have to have before treatment started and then straight into chemotherapy and then total body irradiation and then finally a life-saving transplant from my sister Sarah. So I was a fit, healthy 23-year-old and then all of a sudden I'm bedridden, 
kept in protective isolation in my hospital room for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time, couldn't go outside and was just really thrown into a very different world that I had, you know, come from. So I had to adapt really quickly to the environment that I was now in and used a lot of tools to sort of get myself through that process. And one of the collateral damage of the that process was my skin and it was very fragile very sensitive very reactive and it was really really uncomfortable um and so my sister sarah who was also my donor for my transplant started to formulate for me and she worked in the industry at the time she spent a decade at unilever estee lauder and l'oreal so she knew the industry intimately and was trying to find skincare for me that would help restore my skin and particularly that skin microbiome improve that skin barrier um and she was finding it really difficult so she did what any loving sister would do and she started to formulate her own skincare and would make little tinctures and bring them to me in hospital for me to try and it really was i think a form of therapy for Sarah in a way to really help me as she saw me go from very fit, healthy to being bald. You know, I lost a lot of weight. I was completely bedridden. And then of course my skin. So it was a way for Sarah to really help. And the formulations were fantastic. And, you know, I love to use them. And it was just a really wonderful moment that we shared together. Didn't think at that stage at all that we'd have a business. It was just a wonderful product that, you know, we enjoyed. Fast forward a few years later where I made a full recovery, which is amazing. I only had a 20% chance of survival at the time. So the odds were really, really stacked against me. Um, but made a full recovery, went back to law school um, and started my career in law um, in the city in London. And then went overseas and then came back to the UK. And in coming back to the UK, that's when Sarah and I thought, let's make a business of this. In the years prior, those blends had been shared with friends and family and Sarah just really saw an opportunity to take those blends and share them much more widely. So that's what we did. So at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, we launched the business together as by Sarah London with just three original formulations, all natural, mainly for sensitive skin, as that was my skin type at the time. And the brand has just gone on from strength to strength. So in the years since, we've gone on to grow the collection. We've won over 20 industry-leading awards. We've got celebrity fans like Trini Woodall, Deliciously Ella. The collection's been featured on This Morning. Uh, we've been featured in the Times, but more than that, we've got the most phenomenal community of customers who love the collection, have seen the benefits of really naturally effective skincare, and we've got a community that love what we're doing. And I think for me personally, that gives me so much purpose and joy to see that we are really making a positive impact because you never know when you start something what. Yeah what the outcome is going to be. Mm. So it's been mm. unbelievably positive. And um, yeah, the journey I didn't think I'd be taking, but you know, I really wouldn't change it for anything. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but I really, I mean, that's fucking intense, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so glad that you've come out the other end and it's so amazing that you've like breaking through that very slim, you know, chance of survival barrier and not just like gone through, but like thrived. Um, 
I think it's probably one of the most authentic brand stories I've ever heard. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Like, I feel that a lot of brands try and tap into this sort of thing and they can't do it quite justice because there's never really the, the backstory. Do you know what I mean? There's like, yeah. they want to sort of somehow create this sort of, you know, inspiring backstory, but it's just not there. So it's, it's really cool to see like something really quite challenging turn into something, you know, incredibly positive. I'm curious though, like, so the time when you kind of went away and, and you're a lawyer and your sister was, was she continuing to develop the kind of like, uh, I suppose the formula or the actual product or did that kind of stay dormant? You said that sort of some friends and family were kind of interested, but like, I'm curious that sort of point between you leaving and then coming back. And then what was the like moment where you guys were like, yes, let's actually do this. Or was it a bit more uh, of an organic process? You know, it kind of like you were trying a few things out and then, you know, it, it kind of turned into, you know, the, the starting of the brand. A lot happened in those few years. So Sarah continued to research a lot. She traveled extensively and it was absolutely a passion of hers. She loves skincare. She's fascinated by health and skin health in particular. So as she learned more, those formulations developed um, and she saw an opportunity, but didn't really know too much what to do with it. But just, it was so much a hobby and a passion for her that she would invest her time after work at the weekends just further refining the collection what happened for me was I started my career in London moved overseas to New York came back to London had itchy feet I think the sense of isolation that I experienced for so long really uh, motivated in me a sense of independence that I wanted to have once I got better and something I did on my, in my hospital room was I put posters on my wall to remind myself of the world beyond those bare, white, cold hospital walls and that I was going to leave a really positive life afterwards. So one of the posters was of New York and I later did have the opportunity to live and work in, in Manhattan. And the other was of the Caribbean. And it was a beautiful, typical Caribbean picture with a hammock and a palm tree and the ocean, you know, I would look at that day after day after day when I'm having morphine injected into my mouth and, you know, I can't swallow, I can't eat properly, like really extreme circumstances, but that was the poster that I was looking at. So when I had this itchy feet of coming back to London, I wanted another adventure. So I moved to the Caribbean where you can practice as a lawyer, practice English law. So that's what I did and was living my best life. You know, it was the most beautiful place I'd ever been to. It's the British Virgin Islands. And I couldn't believe that this was possible, that I could, you know, live this life of, you know, paradise compared to yeah. the life that I had had to suffer for, for two years until the island was hit by a category five hurricane, Hurricane Irma. And I was on the yeah. island when that hit. Oh, so, man. yeah. It was 180 mile an hour winds, ripping the windows off the house, the doors off the house. I had to shelter in what was essentially like a uh, bathroom cloakroom for 10 hours. The house was shaking. I thought it was going to go down the side of this mountainside. It was everything you see in like a horror film. I was living in real time. <laughs> there is some irony there, though, like the dream that you had and you were like, you know, really sick of been going for this Caribbean or this Yeah. Life, you know? Tropical destination only to find yourself in a storm. Yeah, that's Yeah, bad. it was one of the worst storms they'd ever seen. It was the size of France, the size of this hurricane. So Jesus for five Christ. days, I had no 
satellite connection, no Wi-Fi. Couldn't obviously tell my friends and family that while I was, you know, really affected by what had happened, I was, you know, alive and kicking. So that was a really difficult understatement episode to live through. And then being eventually rescued and evacuated off the island was the reason that brought me back to the UK. And at that moment, it was me and Sarah looking at each other again and saying, you know, what do I do now? Sarah, you've got this real passion for the skincare that you've developed. I've come back to the UK. Maybe I can help you. I'm not too sure. You know, I'm a lawyer. I've got, I don't know what business skills I've got, but I know how good the formulations are because I've been using them just without a, you know, a buy Sarah label on them. So we took a huge leap of faith and, you know, we quit the corporate day jobs and it was a huge gamble, not least living, leaving that paycheck behind, but yep. also working together as sisters. But I think we had been through so much together in the years previously in Sarah being my donor and in, in coming to the hospital every day that we felt that, you know, we've got nothing to lose. Let's just give it a go and see what happens. And I think it's the best decision we ever made. Uh, that brings me on to it. I mean, that's another fucking wild story. <laughs> Crazy hurricane. Okay, so like two interesting genesis stories for the brand. Um, but the, it brings me on to a, like a, 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 something I do really want to explore, and that is working with your sister. So uh, obviously you guys are tight, and she literally saved your life, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious, yeah, like how did you kind of go through that when you guys were setting up the business? So she's clearly got the kind of product knowledge you're a lawyer. I actually think, you know, just slight tangent, there's a lot of people that have studied law that do start businesses. And I do think it is a great skill set, which I'm, I'm assuming you're just about to tell me. Um, but how did you find that um, that groove of who did what? Was it like kind of set out at the start? You know, has it changed over time? And then I'm keen to understand, like, you're not the first person I've interviewed who works with a sibling. Like, what's the best thing about working with your sister? What's potentially the most challenging? For us, it was very organic. So Sarah is our skin health expert. She loves product, understands products so well and brand. And so it was very natural for her to lean into the brand side and the product side of the business. Me and my background lends itself much more to the business side of the business and the operations and just running of a business as much as anything. So huge learning curve for me because I'd come from an environment where you're in an office, where there's structure and there's support. And then you go to an environment where there isn't that structure, there isn't that system of support that you're plugged into. You've got to figure it out yourself and learn quickly and learn to ask the right questions and know who to ask and how to find them that can help you. So the learning curve has just been wild. And that's something I massively underestimated, but it's been so thrilling when I look back and see, you know, how much we had to figure out how much we overcame and continue to problem solve our way through to the next opportunity. And it's, it's challenging and thrilling in equal measure. So you've got to ride the highs and the lows as they come, you know, even within the same day or the same hour, you could have the worst news with the best news. So I think coming from a profession where um, it is typically very professional in a corporate environment, that training, that discipline, you know, I used to work really long hours and just that work ethic, I think is, is you know, stood me in, in, in good stead now. In terms of working with Sarah, I think the journey that we've been on, we know each other so, so well. And 
when we were growing up, our parents used to dress us the same. So people would often think that we were twins, we're very close in age. And coming through the transplant, my uh, blood type actually changed to be the same as Sarah's. So now we're as close to being twins without actually being twins, which I, I kind of love, but we're just so close. And that translates into a business setting and that I know what she knows and what she doesn't know. And the same for me. So there's a degree that we can move very quickly. Um, we can be very direct in our communications, which if it was a friend or a colleague in those early years, you might be a little bit more sensitive, but we mm. can just cut through all of that and say, yes, I love this. Don't like this. Let's change it and move on. So it's a great dynamic that we have. And it's a blessing that we're that left brain, right brain fit rather than us both being creative or both being more business minded. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm keen to explore then like your side of the business maybe a, a, a bit more. And so um, you guys are, you know, you have a direct consumer channel, but can you explain the model in a little bit more detail? Like, have you got a, a retail presence? I know you talked about rates or, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in the intro piece, but like, yeah, can you explain that in a little bit more detail for me? Yeah. So we've bootstrapped this business to growth and we focus quite intentionally on growing our community and really taking the time to do workshops and panel events and meet our customers and take the time to share the story, share it is, share why it is, why we do what we do. Um, and that has created a really strong brand equity for us. So those years of building the brand through a direct-to-consumer model has now stood us in really good stead for an omni-channel approach that we want to take. So going into retail is something we're really excited about and all going well, you will see us in retail within the next 12 months. So again, another huge learning curve because it's a completely different environment going into retail compared to your own ecosystem of a direct-to-consumer model, but I'm really excited about it. We'll be able to reach so many more new customers with the brand, and it's a great opportunity to just keep growing and keep learning and take the business to the next level. So it's, yeah, it's super exciting at the moment. Um, I've got Rachel from Raider Store coming on the show in a couple of weeks. Oh, brilliant. But I'm, I'm keen to understand, uh, and obviously she'll explain what it is, but like, how did you get involved with that? Um, and yeah, how does that kind of like, is that sort of you guys, do you think you toe into the kind of retail strategy, sort of using something like that as a bit of a, as a, bit of a test? Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And, and the store is on Regent Street. So right in the middle of central London, we did some sampling there this week. And then I was on a B Corp panel yesterday. It's a great opportunity to just showcase the brand in that environment. I know that they're inviting influencers and buyers in. So it's a great showcase um, and it's great for us to get some content to show behind the scenes of what we do. So yeah, I'm really grateful for, for companies like Ray the Store to give independents a chance um, to show what they can do, what the brand looks like on shelf, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a really exciting time. And you're coming up, if I'm not mistaken, is it next month is your five-year anniversary am I right yes yeah. yeah yeah okay so five years uh I'm keen to understand from your perspective and I know it's you know you're, you're in the early stages of what is hopefully a very 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 long journey um 
but like what what's changed in that kind of five years obviously we've gone through a rather uh, interesting uh, <laughs> macro <laughs> uh, external um you know like impact thing over the last few years but like what's changed and like is there anything you would have done differently um in the last five years I mean, so much has changed. Where do we where do we even start with that, right? Yeah. Um, I think if I start maybe with social media, when we started, mm-hmm. Instagram was <laughs> not like it is today. It was yep. a curation of beautiful imagery. And over the years, it has changed so much. And so we've had to adapt and be really nimble and see the changes in these platforms, because as a direct-to-consumer business, you need to be on these platforms, you need to be relevant, and you need to have a point of view. So that change in uh, a very strong creative aesthetic to being more of a brand with a point of view and a voice and us as founders stepping forward to share our story, Sarah doing masterclasses, that's been a big shift. and. I wasn't an avid social media user before we started the business. So seeing the trends, seeing TikTok come along, we're now on TikTok, which is really exciting. And going from a place of, oh gosh, you know, there's another change. What's this new app to shifting the mindset of this is a new opportunity. How can we be relevant here? How can we show up and support our community? So that's a huge change. Um, Of course, we all had COVID which was just a huge shift. And for us, another opportunity to just show up and support our community. So something that we did was the Buy Sarah Ponytail Challenge, where we encouraged our community to keep growing their hair and then to cut and donate their ponytails to the Little Princess Trust, who make wigs for children that have lost their hair to cancer. That's very cool, nice. It's a special charity. It's the charity I donated my hair to 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm now a trustee of of the charity as well. So it was a wonderful way to bring a community together at a time of such distress and uncertainty. Um, And then to create something really impactful and positive, knowing that the charity are going to make these wigs. So all the time it's it's trying to be relevant. It's trying to be supportive. and that takes a lot of work when we're, you know, a pretty lean team. But yep. that's part of the the excitement as well. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, you touched on um, a subject I wanted to cover with you, and that was kind of community. Um, I'm curious, can you give me a little bit more detail into, like, kind of how you built that and you've nurtured it? I know you've got, like, an ambassador-type program as well. I'm curious how that kind of, like, feeds into the kind of community. And uh, Yeah, can you talk me through that? I would love to say we have you know, a really robust strategy. But to be really honest, it's just been me and Sarah showing up every day. You know, yeah, it's nice. putting it's putting in that work, it's putting in that consistency, it's showing empathy, it's responding to every DM, every comment, um, and just being really um, available and, and willing to connect. And I think not all brands take that approach and it's very time consuming, but for us, we enjoy connecting with our community. We learn a lot. And so it's a critical piece of, of our business. And we receive the most wonderful emails. And we've got hundreds of five-star reviews to show the impact that our naturally effective skincare has. So it's just hard work. <laughs> I think that is a strategy. 
<laughs> that sounds like a strategy to me. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe it's not built with a a, a McKinsey trademark, like you know, framework attached to it. But like, it sounds like a sounds like a strategy. Well, I'll take um, that. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, but the so so I suppose getting maybe back to a more of a framework style kind of like question or like talk me through the mechanics of it though like do, do you have like whatsapp groups do you get that intimate with, with with customers are you using the social channels that you've got um you kind of mentioned like tiktok instagram etc how, how are you communicating with the, the community and kind of like how are you like continuing to nurture it beyond you two i suppose are you concerned that the scalability will be a challenge given that you know as you do scale the showing up will become more challenging because it is so time consuming so for us, we're, we really are active on Instagram. So at by Sarah London is where you can find us. And from a recruitment point of view, it's actually a huge benefit because we've been able to demonstrate our values in a really tangible way. We really value building relationships. We really mm-hmm. value that human connection. And so from a recruitment point of view, it helps us to filter those candidates that share that value alignment with us and those that don't. And so we can then build on that really strong core that we've created with the team that we're continuing to build. So in starting small, I know it's going to help us accelerate growth over time. And so just so I'm clear, then, when you're, are you talking about community or the ambassadors or are they kind of like one and the same? Uh, pretty much the one and the same. Yeah. So our community is our, our, our community. And then we do have ambassadors as well as our super loyals that um, yeah, okay. sort of share share the brand as well. Um, but again, that's pretty organic. Um, it's just those that love the brand. You know, we share the love back yeah. and it's that nice feedback loop. Totally. It was so interesting. I, um, I was uh, hosted a panel with um, uh, Beja London. Um, they're, they're a... Um, we just did a competition with them. Oh, really? Okay, yes. yeah. So I was on a panel with Maisie and we were talking about, like, the whole thing was about UGC and she was talking about that concept that, like, it seems to be a slightly underrated, maybe it's a slightly older concept. And when I say older, I mean in the context of e-commerce, which moves, like, you know, lightning fast. But yes. I think that's a really interesting, um, potentially underrated, like, form of acquisition and just community building is, like, your customers want to be involved in the brand some of them want to do their own thing, like become more of a content creator or whatever. And it's like this nice mix of like, you're basically helping each other out, right? In a very organic yes. and like value driven way. And I, yeah, I, I don't see like loads and loads of brands maybe necessarily doing it mm. like that. But you know, they kind of look for something maybe a little bit more strategic or scalable um, and, and kind of maybe miss an opportunity there. Mm. For our customers as well, those that have seen really transformative benefits in their skin. And if we think about our customer type, they've typically had really sensitive skin. They've had difficulty with the skin, maybe acne, rosacea, eczema. When they find something that works, it genuinely changes their mm. life. Yeah. And we've got reviews that say, it's a miracle oil. You've changed my life. I'll shop with you forever. And yeah. so they want to share that with you. So they'll share the before and after photos because it just means so much for them that they found they found something that works and it's such a joyful experience that they want to show it and share it with us. So we love to see see that from our customers. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's hard to get that. Like, I think Beja do quite a good job because I think they're, 
their values are quite strong. And I think for apparel, it can work. But I think generally speaking, that's kind of hard to do when it's not something so life-changing, right? Like a jumper isn't going to change my my life. I don't, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. Although this is, this is a lovely fleece I'm wearing, but I'm not sure how much it changes my life. <laughs> um, so you, you, you talked a little bit about it in that intro, but I'm curious to learn a little bit more. So like you, you got some press coverage, right? So morning, uh, it was one of the morning um, television programs. I'm so curious, like how does that come about? Like, is that like a, do you go to a PR agent to make that happen? Or do they come to you? And then like, what's the kind of result? Or is that difficult to attribute? Because it's, you know, TV media, it's hard to attribute what results might come out the back of it. So for this morning feature that we had at the start of the year, um, it was our hero facial oil on a new year, new skin, new you type feature. And it was Ate Jewel, who was the presenter that shared our skincare. And Ate, I met a couple of years ago, she was interviewing another journalist, I think at the time. Um, That was it, it was Ruby Hammer, MBE, who co-created a beauty brand back in the day. And Ate was interviewing Ruby um, and I was in the audience and I loved Ruby and Ate. So I went to speak to them afterwards and okay. said, Ate, this is who we are. This is the brand. Would you like to try it? And so we met for a coffee and I love Ate. She is so wonderfully passionate about beauty, about supporting other businesses. So we just hit it off. Um, and then when... Ate had this piece coming up at the start of the year. She reached out. And of course, I was like jumping up and down that uh, we'd be able to see our collection on the TV. And that's how it happened. So again, not a huge strategy around that one. It was just, I loved Ate, connected with her and just delighted that she wanted to share our hero facial oil on the TV. Okay. I, 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 again, I'm going to suggest and potentially challenge you that that is a, that is a strategy. That's like, you know, I mean, there's a bit of hustling, you know, like, and it's just like getting out there. Like, I think the, um, I mean, you said it a couple of times in the conversation here, like showing up is a strategy, but maybe that's kind of part of it, right? Like if you don't put yourself in certain situations, which might make one uncomfortable, like approaching somebody that you don't know and like saying, hey, I love your product or whatever, then you don't... um, create the option for an opportunity you create the option also for some serious embarrassment and that's kind <laughs> of like do you know what i mean and maybe that's what yeah. you the, the way out but that's super interesting okay so right that's how that's super cool and then yeah so what about the the, the impact of that sort of thing is, is it kind of immediate is it, is it hard to gauge it is immediate but it's also long term as well so it was actually last week we received another another fifa review and they said, we love, I love your hero facial oil. I saw it on this morning. Ah, and that was in January. And we're now almost October. Yeah. So yeah, there is longevity to these, these things. And then of course, you've got an asset to share that you've been on this morning, which has yeah. huge credibility. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, a fantastic piece of uh, PR, I guess, that, that we've now got. And yeah, it's all about reaching more people, getting them to try our skincare. And yeah, really just delighted that Ate was, was willing to, to share our collection as well. Leave the PR peeps might call it evergreen content, which is exactly what you're on here, Lauren. Podcast, highly <laughs> rated. 
Absolutely. Incredibly, incredibly <laughs> engaged audience. You know, um, I've got full confidence that in six months' time, someone's going to say they heard you on your basket is empty. And that's <laughs> Love that. Management. Exactly. Um, you mentioned something before, which I'm really curious about, um, and that's B Corp. So you guys are a B Corp or recently become one. Yes. My understanding is it's quite an arduous process. So I'm curious, like, what was the process like? Why did you do it? And, you know, yeah, kind of what was the thinking behind it? I think this is where my lawyer training came in handy because oh, it is a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know lots of brands outsource it and get sort of B Corp experts to run it for oh, them. Shit, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Like B Corp consultants or whatever. Yes. Which okay, I can cool. understand, like it's it's not easy, yeah. um, but we're a lean, mean startup, so it felt yep. to me to yeah. figure that one Boot out. Yeah, all the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a fantastic experience because B-Lab look under the hood of your business, everything from the supply chain to how you speak to your customers, to how you're supporting charities, to the packaging that you use, to your governance to collective, collective action that you're taking. So it's so wide ranging. And for us as a purpose-led business, it was a great fit. So we're very clear on who we are and why we do what we do to support that sensitive skin customer and to help everyone feel confident in their skin. And um, what we did in the early days was certify with Cruelty Free International yep. and the Vegan Society. So we had those independent certifications from the get-go and then hearing more about B Corp we just thought it was the fantastic alignment because it is that 360 approach it's not just about sustainability through the environment it is that societal piece and the governance piece as well so in going through the process which took about 12 months it was great to build further relationships with our suppliers to share why we're going through this process and to encourage them to do the same And then we came out, when was it, February of this year with our certification. I've got the plaque behind me, which I'll show you, although your podcast listeners can't can't hear, but there it is. Don't worry. There's our B Corp plaque. Okay. Is is that block certified B Corp? It looks very environmentally friendly, block itself. Yes. So this is actually handmade by another B Corporation. So Ah, very proud of that. That's very cool. That's so interesting. So I'm curious then. Do you think by going through the B Corp process, it kind of makes you a better business? It's like having a business consultant kind of run through your business. You have to sort of critically analyze how things work and then maybe not so much from a business perspective like revenue or EBITDA or whatever, but if you wanted to really make your business as ethical and sustainable as you can, whether you get the B Corp or not, the process itself, it seems like it's a good process to do that. Am Am I right in saying that? Exactly. And it gives you the, the accreditation that you've really met the gold standard in sustainability. And they're tracking everything across your performance, your accountability, your transparency. So it's a great label to look out for. And I encourage your listeners as well to really support big corporations because businesses that have gone through that process have taken the time and made a commitment to use their business as a force for good. And I think the more businesses can do that and, and consumers can support them, it's just creating a more equitable and sustainable business landscape. So, yeah, I'm really excited about B Corp. And as a business, we're part of the B Corp Beauty Coalition, 
which is separate to B Corp. And it's a collective of over 50 B Corp beauty brands across the world that have come together to try and make beauty as sustainable as possible. So Mm -hmm. I'm on the steering committee for that. And it's a fabulous insight into the collective action that brands can have. And we're trying to work towards an output, again, that is trying to make business as sustainable as possible within the beauty industry across ingredients, packaging, logistics. So there's so much interest and enthusiasm that it's just a really exciting place to be at the moment. That's super interesting. Um, I feel like we could talk about B Corp for, for more than <laughs> <laughs> another few minutes. So I keep to sort of like um, um, done a lot of looking backward and current and look a little bit forward. So where are you guys in five years? What's the plan? What's the vision? So the ambition of the brand is for everyone to feel confident in their own skin. You know, that harks back to my personal story and that journey of just being so uncomfortable with the skin that I was in. So that is our our mission. That's the ambition. And we would love for By Sarah London to become a global brand and for millions of people to be able to use the Hero Facial Oil that was featured on this morning and to really enjoy skincare, feel confident with their skin. And By Sarah London is the brand that people look to, whether you've got rosacea, eczema, really sensitive skin, we're going to be the brand that you can trust. So we've set our, our stool out with a re- being a really purpose-led, mission-led business. And yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, but we're making good strides. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty good, um, pretty good stats in five years. So I suppose based on that, my final question is some advice for other people. So what would, you, what would be your number one piece of advice for anyone else who's looking to start a brand? You're going to need a lot of skills there, but rather than just hit you with a list, I'll share a mantra that means a lot to me. And it's live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. And so much has happened over the last 10 years that I didn't foresee, that I didn't know how to handle straight away. But that mantra is so grounding for me. And as an entrepreneur, there's so many ups and downs and one minute you think you're soaring and the next it's, you know, how do we deal, th- deal with this? How are we going to figure it out? So the idea of everything being rigged in your favor, for me, it gives me a sense of control and it gives me a sense that I can figure it out and things are going to work out. So that is a mantra I would share and whether that resonates with you or not, I'd urge you to find one that does resonate with you because I guarantee you're going to need you're going to need some good self-talk. You're going to need a positive mindset because it's it's really tough. You know, you are your own boss, so you've got to be yep. your own motivator. You've got to be your own, you know, caregiver. Um, so for me, positive mindset and affirmations have been a big piece of the last few years for me. I agree. Get some mantras. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure. There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clevio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. 
I'll see you next time. You know what they say about folk?